0: If you're a fan of 80s music, especially 80s rock and metal, this episode is for you. I talked to an old friend of mine about a subgenre that's really important. It's got some great musicians, some great songs in it, some bands that you've heard of and songs you've heard of. But we're going to drill down into what we call gunslinger metal in this episode. Thanks for listening to this episode of I'll Have to Think About That podcast in which we talk about history worth knowing, questions worth asking, and ideas worth considering, all in response to the incomplete education that so many of us have. Well, I am here today with Ed Castillo, a friend of mine from high school, who I have always thought had a a lot of interesting perspectives on a lot of different things, but definitely about music. Uh, And so I had heard him a while back online talking about this thing he called gunslinger metal and i had never heard this term before so i'm going to entirely attribute it to him he as far as i'm concerned is the person who coined it i have no idea if that's true or not but it's yours and so we're going to talk about this call it a genre or maybe subgenre of metal or hard rock that i really think is worth your listen if you're a child of the 80s if you grew up in the 80s and you want to turn back and have a lens to look at that decades great music and think about it from a, a fresh perspective, this is for you. If you are so t- unlucky to not have grown up in the 80s and you want to go back and listen to good music, then this is a great starting point. Uh, so that's what we're going to do today. We're going to talk about gunslinger metal. Ed, thank you so much for giving me your time. I appreciate you being here. Of
1: course, my pleasure. I, I, I googled gunslinger metal in preparation for this and learned that there is a metal band called Gunslinger from the UK. Again, of course, I'm there not is. familiar with, uh, but beyond that, I could not find uh, any th- any description of of Gunslinger metal. So I may own the Google snippet, as they say.
0: I think you do. <laughs> now, question: Is this band from England? Is this a current band? I, I,
1: I didn't get far enough. I just noticed that, so okay. I, I, I can't.
0: All tell right. It. So let's do this. Let's go ahead and and dive right into it. Gunslinger metal. We. We talk about heavy metal and I and I think that metal as a as a genre, I mean, the eighties were its decade. Its origins and its roots are clearly in maybe the very late sixties, definitely the seventies, but metal as we know it is a genre that came into being in the uh, in the eighties. And, you know, the first the first metal album to go to number one on the Billboard charts, which was Quiet Rides Metal Health, was in nineteen eighty-three, you know, and, and on from there. And there are lots of subgenres. What are are some of the most prominent subgenres of metal or hard rock? You know, there's a blurry line between those two. What are some of those prominent subgenres that I think probably people have heard of?
1: Let me start by saying, interestingly, the least heavy subgenre of metal is heavy metal. If you think about it, death metal, grindcore, thrash, gent metal, uh, progressive uh, uh, Eastern European progressive death metal. These are all he- much heavier than heavy metal, right? Heavy metal, which I I, I love, is in my mind Judas Priest, Iron Maiden, uh, you know, the originators of the genre, Black Sabbath. Um, these. It's just interesting to me. It's just a it's it's a quirky feature of a, a genre that is has
0: untold subgenres you're right there are so many you know we're talking splitting hairs of subgenres here you know i was thinking more along the lines of and i think this is an example of a of a subgenre that actually went lighter i think you're right actually most of the subgenres of metal they take what metal is and they they go into much deeper and harder places hair metal on the other hand goes in most cases in the opposite direction that's a good point, actually. So how do we, because I think it strays more toward uh, mainstream pop, or at least yes. it, it, it aims at that audience. And your mainstream pop, I mean, Bolt Thrower is not a mainstream pop band because, <laughs> because it's Bolt Thrower. And so, but That's whereas right. Poison, you know, is, was. But let's talk about what, what makes, what is this thing called gunslinger metal? Okay. And why, um, what makes it what it is? What are the qualifiers in your mind Yeah,
1: I have three qualifiers that are that are necessary but not sufficient, each in their own in their own right. But before we get there, you make a great counter argument about uh, to my point about heavy metal and metal, because both glam metal and hair metal, I think you could argue, are not nearly as heavy as heavy metal, and that's fair. That's fair. Right off the bat, no,
0: and and I think musically musically they stray more toward hard rock than say like you know they're not Metallica. At least, classic exactly. Metallica.
1: No, that's fair. That's fair. Um, so, these are my conditions, which we can dis- we can discuss and and, uh, and evaluate.
0: Would you rather define it and then provide your qualifiers, or do you want to throw down the qualifiers and then we can extract and agree? Yeah, on I'm going to go right to the
1: on. right to the qualifiers. Do it. Uh, the first is it has to be metal, and the reason I say that is you know, Carlos Santana and Al Di are gunslingers par excellence. Uh, those guys aren't, aren't playing metal. Now, it's problematic that I start there because we could have a whole podcast on what, what metal is. Uh, and you know, there are gray areas. Uh, for me, generally speaking, it's the turn away from blues as the sole basis for the music, right? So when I think of, so go to, to go right to the controversial examples, when I think of a band like Guns N' Roses, who I think is an amazing band. I technically don't think of them as metal. They're hard I, rock. I think of them as hard rock. They're an extension of Aerosmith. They're the next logical step after Aerosmith. Um, but where, this is where it gets, and I'm sorry to jump to this right away. And I'm already going to one of the classic cases, but I would argue, it, by my own definition, which I'll finish in a second, there are periods of Guns N' Roses history that count as gunslinger metal. Yeah. You know, I, I, I,
0: you, you make a good point that, that yeah. this, is not a, this is not a static identity. Right. It's not slapped on a band. You go, that's gunslinger metal, period. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe there are some bands out there that front to back, that, that they fit the genre. They'll fit these three qualifiers. That's right. But I think you're right that, you know, it's interesting about Guns N' Roses. It's funny that you mentioned them as being a, a hard rock band and tying them to Aerosmith, which I think is an entirely valid connection when Appetite came out in 1987, um, I remember I was in California and I picked up some newspaper and read the local review of Appetite. I had never heard of this band. Yeah. And it was funny because it was a double review. It was a double review. It was Appetite for Destruction and Faster Pussycats uh, <laughs> first album. Sure. And and I remember that the, the, the reviewer disparagingly wrote off GNR as being like, yeah, they have a twin, a twin guitar attack that they dream is reminiscent of Aerosmith. <laughs> but I think your point is really important. And for, for those folks who are knowledgeable about the technical, the quantifiable side of music, which you are far more than I am, Guns N' Roses is very much rooted in a, in a heavy interpretation of blues. That's right. Whereas Metallica, you go to like, Ride the Lightning, is not. And so well, there and is... Scott
1: Ian likes to point out, in his mind... Scott Ian is 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 obsessed. Guitarist
0: for Anthrax. Guitarist for know. Anthrax
1: is like many obsessed with Judas Priest, and he will right. say that's where the genre. And it, it, look, I, we don't have to get into a debate on the the origins of metal because that's again its own topic. I, for my part, it's it's Black Sabbath, um, and they took a turn. They were originally called Earth, you know, and they were playing kind of. Bluesy you know, rock,
0: and but it's that it's that turn away from the from the the blues as the the real fundamental, the real foundation of the music, and and that's that's just I think you're right. I think it's absolutely right. That's what defines it so, or separates it. So gunslinger metal, first off, has to be metal. It, so it has to be, be metal. And just to finish
1: off the thing about Guns and Roses, um, when Buckethead is your guitar player or Ron Thal Bumblefoot is your guitar player, you are playing gunslinger metal even if you're playing Guns N' Roses songs. So that's, that's a real a boundary condition that we can argue about later, but that's, okay. that's, that's a boundary condition.
0: But I think this is, so there's a good qualifier. Musically, yeah. it's gotta be metal. Musically, it's gotta be metal.
1: And, all, and the second condition is also musical. And I wanna say that the second condition is it has to have unnecessarily technical guitar playing. And again, let's talk about Guns N' Roses. Slash is an amazing guitar player. The fact that Slash is not a gunslinger to me is is a testament to his maturity. He plays for the song. Um, You don't see Slash kind of up on the stage showing off his chops. He plays kind of what the song needs. Um, And that is very much in my mind in the style and in the ethos of an Aerosmith um, and not in the ethos of a Van Halen, which is the paradigm example of unnecessary technical presentation
0: the guitar is more equal than the rest of the instruments it's not one of a number it is aside from the vocalist and maybe even some cases in front of the vocalist the guitar the lead guitarist plays a role musically uh and and in in terms of like the identity of the band that is much greater Yes, than in another band. I mean, every, every hard rock guitarist, you know, that has their, their moment where they come to the front of the stage and they do their solo. But right. that is not the, like Angus Young bobbing around in his funny little outfit is not the same thing as Eddie Van Halen getting up there and like playing, you know, thousand miles an hour. A
1: hundred percent. I'm so glad you brought up Angus because Angus, Angus in my mind is even a better example than Slash of someone who is a gripping guitar player who who i love who i can listen to all day and in my mind because of the blues orientation yep. he's playing super
0: competent really heavy blues rock so must be metal has to have some unnecessarily ridiculous guitar work and what's the final and in the qualifier the
1: third condition the third qualifier which is my favorite and it makes for some really interesting counter examples or some testing of the rule is the guitar player has to be peacock like in some way either in in attitude or visual presentation um, or sense of self. And so here's the, exa- here's the, ca- here's the, the, the example that tests the rule there. Um, Mick Mars
0: is a fantastic guitar From player. crew. And 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 on stage carries a bigger burden than a five piece. Right, but never in my experience presents himself in a peacock-like way. Okay.
1: And and frankly, in his case, it may be just the, the nature of his physiology and his right. age and his his sense of self, whatever it is. I mean, um he, he he's he's a he's a wildly competent guitar player. He could have been peacock-like.
0: He chose not to be. And in a way, you're saying peacock like is there's a a, a a narcissism. yes, a look. I mean, it's that it, it's it's Axel Rose, but with a guitar. It's Nuno Bencourt. Or or that. <laughs> yeah. Nuno. All right. Nuno is a gunslinger. Nuno. Totally. So we have three qualifiers. So let's go ahead and uh, let's go ahead and vet some bands. Yeah. Um, maybe some bands and then we can drill down to some songs. Sure. And then at the end of this, what I'd love to be able to do is provide people with a handful of maybe five or six exemplar songs. Okay. And maybe a few suggestions as to albums that are mostly or maybe even all gunslinger. Yeah metal. Because I, I really think this will make people's lives better. <laughs> I people agree. will come out happier on the end if they listen to this rather than like pop music or bro country. If nothing
1: else, if one person lins, listens to loudness after this podcast, I'll be happy.
0: <laughs> Can we get them to listen to Ezio? I don't know Ezio. Ezio, Ezio was, a, uh, was a Gene Simmons discovery. They're a Japanese band and they're this weird combination of like Kiss with all the makeup and yeah. theatrics. But they're like loudness. Oh wow. I'll, I'll I'll send you a link. Immediately after this, I will listen I'll, to I'll send you. Yeah, there's a great a great bad song called Flashback Heart Attack. <laughs> nice. Anyway, all right. So let's go ahead and let's vet some songs because I think yeah. the, the, the most the most granular example of this is going to be found in, in an individual song. What would you put forward as like an exemplar? And, t- and let's talk about how it meets those three qualifiers. I mean I-
1: Wow! Because my 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 in, impulse is to tell you just like a few guitar players. How about okay? We, and we can drill from there. I mean, to me, yeah. Vito Bratta.
0: Oh yeah, of White Lion
1: is the ultimate gunslinger. Uh, Warren D. Martini of Rat.
0: Oh my gosh! Yes.
1: George Lynch.
0: Uh huh. Of Dokken.
1: And you know what's funny? My experience is that when people talk about this genre, I think out of respect, they tend not to include Van Halen. But they should. But that's where it started. I mean, that's yeah. the ultimate. You know, Eddie was a technically proficient, uh, humble, quiet kid who practiced all day in his room, and then got on stage and peacocked all day. And you know, and is the is the original and ultimate gunslinger.
0: Yeah. Where do you put? Do you put Momstein in here anywhere? Thank you for asking, because that's a
1: whole. So, as someone who, who grew up playing violin before I played guitar. Um, I've always been committed. I, I think this, is, this one's just for you, Jeremy. I, I thought about a way to capture this whole. No, no, I think more than anyone, you'll appreciate this, this metaphor. To me, that whole subgenre of what some people call the shrapnel guitarists, because there was something called shrapnel records that kind of brought this ne- neoclassical, basically, yeah. the guys who are shredders with no vocalists. Yeah. In the world of gunslinging metal, they are the special forces. They are the most extreme. They yeah. are they're a, a separate You know, Malmsteen, uh, Tony McAlpine, Vinnie Moore. Yeah, uh, you know, even even like an well, I can't say uh, be, be, by my own rules. I can't say Eric Johnson as much as I want to. No, because he's not playing metal. But these are the guys who are so good at gunslinging that they're more than gunslinger. They are the the SEAL Team Six of gunslinging.
0: They they transcend. They are they're they're of it, but they're not contained within it they're not
1: contained within it okay yeah they got the skills they've got skills for day and metal they like to peacock but they're you know satriani and vi you know it's it's just one of their five fingers to play right yeah
0: Yeah, that's a good point actually because yeah i mean some of the stuff like vi um alien love secrets Mm -hmm. has some just amazing amazing like tear your face off guitar work yes and and yet then it goes to something that's light and pretty
1: yeah. Well, they're just masters. And so, yeah. so someone like Vi, more than the others, he gets credit for filling gunslinger shoes. Yes. You know, so Alcatraz. Uh, he, I mean, Favoritely how many guitar evil. players in history have had to fill Ingve's shoes, Van Halen's shoes? There are probably a couple I'm missing, but you know.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you on on Eddie Van Halen. I mean, you, it would be silly to leave him out, and he actually is is far more within this like sphere of this genre than than like you said, like someone like like Malmstein, because this is, yeah. I mean, until Hagar joined the band, that that was his that was his identity full time. Exactly. So okay, so Eddie Van Halen, Vito Bratta, um, you know it's tough too with Vito Brada. He's amazing, but the, I think there he's a fascinating study because. Most of White Lion's more popularly known songs, in my opinion, are like schlock.
1: Yeah, I, I have a I have a real tolerance for schlock. You'll find I have a real high, you know, high tolerance for cheese. But you know, take a song like Wait, right? <laughs> so the song is cheesy, kind of cheesy, but that guitar solo yeah. is a work of art. Oh yeah I mean, it's a Larry Carlton level, like m- like reading, like playing the changes. Really subtle guitar technique. I've, I've heard a few people interviewed say that weight is the best metal solo they've ever
0: heard. He's a great example because if you were to just look at a picture of White Lion and hear a couple of their songs, you'd say, this is just puff piece, like glam hair metal. And You go, no, 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 no. You need to give it a little more time. You need to listen to him. Yeah, because of what he's doing, and then watch some clips of them live, and I think you'll see all yeah. three. And as a those... guitar
1: player, you know, I've been trying to play that guitar solo since uh, since the nineties. And it's good to uh, want. I know the notes. Uh, it doesn't sound like him. It no. never will. You know?
0: What about? Um, I, I think a few of these people you mentioned. You know, Nuno Betancourt is, I think, not as well known. Yeah, as I'd say, Warren D. Martini or George Lynch, and this is even if people aren't recognizing the bands. Ernie you know, Warren D. Martini was a lead guitarist for Rat. George Lynch was a lead guitarist for Dokken. Uh, I'd like to talk a little bit Warren D. Martini because, in, in outside of Eddie Van Halen, outside of like the 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 progenitor or progenator, however that word is pronounced, of yeah. this genre, I think Warren D. Martini is the guy I would put on a pedestal and say that's that's him. That that's that's in terms of of a. a you know, you throw a couple of Rat songs in front of people, and they, oh yeah, I've heard that. Right. But let, let's, let's talk about him a little bit. Is there, is there a song that you would isolate from Rat and say, there's your example? Lay It Down,
1: I think, is one of the top five rhythm parts in the history of metal.
0: Yeah, it's good. Uh,
1: not even to mention, the soloing is always fantastic, but Lay It Down in particular the tone, you know, but, but, I'm, but I'm reminded when I hear think of Lay It Down, I'm reminded of George Lynch and In My Dreams. Oh, yeah. That rhythm part also has a real signature. The tone, I mean, at some level, what's really driving, I, I know enough about these guys to know their personality to make the peacock inference. But if, if I was someone who's trying to analyze this, who came to this naive and knew nothing, I think the first thing you'd notice about Lynch and Demartini is their tone. Yeah. Um, and there's there. it's hard to, you know, people talk about tone all day. Um, there's something about the growl of their tone, the kind of the mid-range, there's something, and these are guys who famously are playing through big rack-mounted, you know, it's a very unnatural guitar tone. You know, these are not, you know, famously, uh, 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 you know, Angus Young plugs right into the front right. of a Marshall stack, and he sounds That's amazing it. and it's all on his fingers, Um but when you start talking about a martini or a Lynch, these are highly processed sounds. So they're in control of all of the, the contours. And the contour of that sound is is literally the opposite of the contour of like a, a Metallica rhythm sound, which as people say, it's scooped. So if you think of the equalization, they pull yeah. all the mid range out. And so it's all it's high, and high and low. And high. Whereas a guy like, you know, and I think this straight up comes from Eddie. I mean, Eddie Van Halen's tone it's almost like a cello. It's very like throaty. It sounds like a human, it sounds like a human talking.
0: You know, it's interesting too, because with uh, Warren D. Martini, I mean the first three rad albums are, I mean, those are the classics. The first one out of the cellar being it. And then Doc and their second album, uh, Tooth and Nail, and their third album Under Lock and Key. I think those are the two, those are your examples and their respective tones are unmistakable. Exactly. Like you hear you hear George Lynch, and you hear his phrasing. You're like, "That's George Lynch. No, is, no one else sounds like that." I think Warren D. Martini was the was the same way.
1: Yeah. Uh, there's another person we should talk about, in my my opinion, of of this caliber. And what's great is, famously, he was Warren D. Martini's roommate back in the '80s. I can only I don't even want to know what was happening in this apartment. Um, I suspect there was very little food eaten. Uh, <laughs> No, and, no, I uh, would
0: say that there there was a there was probably a healthy or rather an unhealthy degree of debauchery.
1: <laughs> that's exactly right. And it's Ooh. Jakey Lee. Oh yeah. And so this is a tough one because to to go to Jakey Lee, I have to start pushing Ozzy into a gunslinger metal thing, which um I mean Ozzy is so
0: important on so but many I, levels. I have a solution for you. I have a way out. Okay. okay? okay. Now and the interesting thing about Jakey Lee is that when he's on his own, when he's in his band yeah. uh, Badlands, Badlands, that's that's way more bluesy.
1: It is bluesy, but it's still, the,
0: the peacockery
1: is yeah, so totally, over the top.
0: Totally. The technical skill. But here's what we can do with Ozzy. Yeah, Ozzy's important. All that stuff. You and I could argue with Ozzy all day yeah, or exactly. about him. Uh, yeah. But Ozzy didn't write. I didn't know that. I assumed he's like, like Ozzy, a songwriter. No, Ozzy, Ozzy doesn't. Ozzy's like a, honestly, he's like a pop singer. <laughs> and as a matter of fact, I, I remember hearing a podcast uh, with uh, one of those Eddie Trunk things, the guy you stumped. Uh, an interview with Jakey e. Lee, where Jakey e. Lee had taken issue with the fact that Ozzy has a writing credit on "Bark at the Moon," and he's like, "No, Ozzy didn't write anything." I didn't know that. Oh wow! Like, I think he had some. He he might have had some input on lyrics, but like the music, what? nothing. Interesting. Okay. Nothing. And so I, I don't. Yeah, I, I, Ozzy himself has his place, but um, but yeah, I, I think that especially what was it? Well, yeah, "Bark at the Moon." And then uh, Ultimate Sin. I loved
1: Ultimate Sin. It's one of my yeah, favorite it's got some great
0: on. stuff on it. What is it? Um, Always Our a Science.
1: All that stuff. Uh, yeah. Lightning Strikes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so here's the reason I'm, I'm eager to mention Jakey Lee. It's because, you know, I've often had these conversations with other metalheads. And of all of my beliefs about metal, this one might be the most controversial. And Brilliant. it is that I argue Jakey Lee is the best Aussie guitarist of all time.
0: I'm going to make a strange political comparison here, and it may be off-putting to some people. But for better or for worse in my life, that hasn't stopped me in the past. Exactly. Um, I, I think I think you've got something there, and, I, and what you're what you are getting at is Randy Rhodes.
1: I am, who I have a, a, a ton of respect for.
0: He's amazing. Amazing. But I think that Randy Rhodes gets a degree of cachet and credit because of how and when he died in, in a weird way. It's kind of like John F. Kennedy. Interesting. You go out yeah. in your first term and you're good looking and you go out like that on television. Yeah. No one is ever going to say anything bad about you. Very. And I, I think, I think there's a, there's a piece to it where a a sober critical examination of not just the body of his work. Like, you know, you can't blame the guy for being dead. Like, why didn't you put out three more albums? Right, 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 right. But, but I mean, I, I think that that gets in the way of really looking at his work for what it was and, and what it, yeah you know, what it was unto itself.
1: I like that. I'm going to think about that. Um, prior to hearing that, what I would have said um, also critically is that because Rhodes had a, had a classical, acclaimed track classical bent. He gets some love. He gets some of the pre Malmsteen love. Like, he- yeah.
0: Let me ask you this. We talked about Warren. we talked about George. We talked yeah. about Vito a little bit and I'm going to put links to these. What what I actually want from yeah. you and you can send me these and we'll just, I'll put them in the, the notes as, as links, you know, uh, what songs you said, lay it down. I, I, I agree. That's actually not my favorite rat song, but I think for what it does and what it is, I think it's really a, an important one. Uh. We talked about Ed Van Halen, uh, Nuno Betancourt, If you're not familiar with him, was a guitarist for Extreme. Extreme, yeah. unfortunately, I think is best known for its ballads. That's true. And its unplugged stuff, which technically was good, but was not tear your face off Nuno Betancourt soloing.
1: Correct. I shortchanged you on specific songs, be- honestly, because I don't the way when I think of Vito Brada, there's mm-hmm. there are a couple very specific things I think about it in his playing. I call it's if it. If, if you ask me, what's another description of Vito Bratis playing, and you can't call it gunslinger metal, I would call it chimey. It's very chimey. And what I mean by that is, a lot of free-ringing natural and artificial harmonics that, unlike someone like Billy Gibbons, who, you know, the guitar player for ZZ Top, who's an amazing um, pinch harmonic guy, where he uses, where he, where, the way he holds the pick and the way he hits the string, to, um, ex- to, to accentuate specific notes, um, Vito Bratta, like Eddie Van Halen, will let those artificial harmonics or natural harmonics become part of the melody of the song. Like ring
0: in the background,
1: is that what you're saying? Yeah, they kind of ring in the yeah. background into a chord. I, and I, I could send you very specific examples Do that it. like when I hear them are just so beautiful that I'm like, it's, it's exactly, what I'm looking for in like rhythm metal guitar playing.
0: And let me, let me jump in here on this because I think this is, this is uh, important regarding, you know, metal in general, but, but this genre, because there is a floor beneath which a guitarist really can't go in, in technical ability and be a gunslinger. And you and I talked about this before, as we were setting up this interview that CC DeVille and poison don't rate. And not because CC DeVille is not like a fun, you know, drink a can of Natty light kind of guitarist he's just not that good, like technically. Perfect example. And I think that what's important here is that, and this gets overlooked. Uh, and as a metal fan, it, this, this annoys me. It gets overlooked because oftentimes metal is written off as being like, well, it's just like, it's garbage music. And, and, right. and along with that, like lyrically, it's trash. And musically, it's trash. It's just some kid with an overdriven amp and a, and a, and a sneer. No, right. you, you, these, some of these guitarists, are incredible musicians and they're writing yeah. really complex pieces and still, still playing them in a way that exudes so much heart. Like there are some places yeah. where I would not, I don't know what you would say about John Petrucci.
1: Oh, love, love John
0: Petrucci. But I don't think he's gunslinger. No, he's not a gunslinger. And there are some, there's a, there's a, actually a lot of dream theater that for me is like the soul gets lost in the math.
1: Exactly. And that's what I love about it. That's what
0: I like about it. Well, yeah, I mean, but if, if that's what you're, what you're listening for. But anyway, my point to the listeners is this is some of this music, especially this sub, subgenre, this, this is really technically proficient music. This is from guitarists who really knew their instrument and their craft and were able to channel their, their creative urge through those strings in ways that, you know, Kurt Cobain never could musically. I mean,
1: uh, we could talk all day just about that. <laughs> you, you, that, you, that was very provocative, what you said, because I have a, lot of, have a lot to say about that. Uh, but to your point, I, I couldn't agree more to your point about the musical presentation. What I'm reminded of, again, as someone who started playing violin in fifth grade and played violin before guitar, is you know the original Gunslinger, by my own rules, we can't call him Gunslinger Metal because he's not quite metal, although it was very metal for the time, was Niccolò Paganini you know, the, 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 the Italian violinist and composer. So, you know, back in the day, these were the, these were at the town center, you know, we think of classical being relegated now to the, to, you know, to the periphery and it's what like professors. Right, listen The to, academy
0: or, you know, of some sort, you know, but
1: at the, in the middle, back in the day it's what everyone listened to it was in the middle of the town square. And uh, Paganini was like a hero. And, and I mean, in fact, not, a, not even a hero, people thought he was possessed by the devil actually because of his technical uh, proficiency um, so to me gu- gunslinger metal is just a continuation of that
0: you've seen sam dunn's metal a headbangers journey correct i have yes, yes. he's amazing outstanding and, and i'll put a link to that it's a documentary done by a canadian anthropologist and metalhead about metal and the evolution of metal and the, the fragmenting of and the different the subgenres and things like that And he goes into a lot about the history of it as related to classical music i think you're absolutely right and um Again, if you don't know that connection, if you don't recognize that in hearing, you, again, may fall prey to that, that cheap line of like, well, this is just, you know, this is just a mouthy 18-year-old in a T-top Camaro. Exactly. Exactly. You know what? Let me do this. Because I made a list. And what I'd like to do is go down this list and per your, your, uh, your qualifiers, which ones, and, and what I'll say is if, if you think – they qualify, it's because they have a, a large enough, there's a bulk of their music that fits within this. So a song, like you said, maybe there is some Guns N' Roses, but overall, that's not their thing. So, Rat, gunslinger metal or not?
1: Rat, absolutely. Totally. Paradigm case of gunslinger Perfect.
0: Blood. I agree completely. How about Quiet Riot?
1: Uh, I probably would not have qualified Carlos Cavazo. And yet in preparation for 20 minutes ago, maybe an hour ago at this point, I watched a video of someone listing his favorite hair metal guitar players. And he made an argument for Carlos Cavazo. And I now have to remember, or he pointed it out, Carlos played on a rat album.
0: Like a, like a decade or so ago. You know, here's what I think. I think Quiet Riot, Quiet Riot is definitely 80s metal. And you could argue that it, maybe it was a, a, an early form of hair metal. I think it yeah. contributes to it could open for, but I don't think it is. It's great, but it's not. Well, and let's let's not forget Randy Rhodes played in the original. Sure. Quiet Riot. So, but not the Quiet Riot that everybody knows. Like, how many people know the song Laughing Gas? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so I think this next exactly. one's gonna be really exactly. easy. Dokken. Totally. Oh, yeah. Motley Crue.
1: Yeah, I I love Motley um, and Motley. By the way, Molly does not get enough respect. The second to Twisted Sister, right. they don't get enough respect for their influence. Uh, but yeah, no. just just because Mick Mars is such a gentle yeah. soul, he's just not a, not a yeah. peacock. I'm sorry. How about Skid Row? Yeah, Skid Row's a great example. I love Skid Row. I have a lot of time for Skid Row. And uh, I th- and to me, yes, they qualify as gunslinger. No. Yeah.
0: So in other words, what we're saying here, folks, is that if, if the band writes schmaltzy ballads, that's not a disqualifier. A hundred percent. How about Bon Jovi? Because Richie sambora has got the chops. Great player. Tasty
1: player. They write amazing music. It's Peacock 2000. Yeah, I'll, I'll say yes. I'll, I'll include
0: them. You know what, though? I think that they less than rat. Theirs is more of a song by song thing.
1: Well, and they have a current, their current guitar player is a big gunslinger. I okay. Forgets, Jimmy. I'm not familiar
0: with the, like, I basically it's, it's slippery when wet and that's it. Me. He's, the
1: new guy is one of those L.A. session guys who's a great player. I forget his name. I, my apologies if anyone listening to okay. this knows him. Z, he has one of those names that is, is, is uh, alphabetical, like Jimmy Z or something. I forget.
0: Kind okay. Of I How about uh, David Lee Roth as a solo artist? Oh, yeah, I mean, when
1: Stevie vi is in, in your corner, you're – yeah. I'm sorry.
0: Eat them and smile. When you're writing lounge, like like Ladies Night in Buffalo, is like lounge music, oh, but it, it's still awesome.
1: Yeah, it's it's basically or like Tobacco Road.
0: Oh my gosh, that was that was my example.
1: Tobacco Road is their ant- Is is basically I, I don't know if he consciously did it, but I read it as Vi's answer to Ice Cream Man.
0: Yeah, th- yeah, that that album is amazing. Yeah. How about Def Leopard?
1: Okay, so this is going to get fun. I would, I would not call them Gunslinger in the known, in the, in the known catalog. But hey, Vivian Campbell is in the band, and Vivian is a Gunslinger.
0: Yeah. The hard thing, too, is that I, I actually think over the years of listening to them, their best, best, they got some great songs off Pyromania, but I think front to back, their best album's High and Dry. Great album. Great. Because there's a rawness to it and, a, and like a hunger in it that's not in the very processed... You know what I heard once? Here's a little bit of a, a gee whiz for you, yeah. that um, High and Dry is the last album with live drums. That Pyromania actually, Rick Allen programmed the drums because he was so anal retentive about timing and tone and sound that it's, it's, it's his composition, right. but he programmed, it is a drum machine that you're, that you're hearing on Pyromania. So the last live drums were, were on High and Dry. I didn't know that.
1: I could see that. I could totally see that. And mutt mutt would be totally cool with that because mutt is free. Yeah. All
0: right. So how about uh, how about Firehouse?
1: Firehouse is another one of those bands that I should know better. I know I know their reputation. I just don't. I don't. I don't listen to Firehouse.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm on the fence. They They were definitely late '80s, early '90s. Is that guitar player? I don't. I forget his name. I don't even remember his name. Uh, Um, All right. So GNR, we've already addressed. How about (laughs) Kicks? <laughs> well, With classics like blow my fuse. Yeah, I
1: don't know kicks well, but I will. Yeah, no, I'm gonna put by, them under can, hair metal. Can we talk about KISS? Because KISS is a weird example.
0: Kiss is a really weird example, and but you know what? By your by your definition, I think no. The classic KISS,
1: I agree, is not gunslinger. But when you get Vinnie Vincent involved, <laughs>
0: that is Oh, I have the Vinnie Vincent invasion on the list. Oh, yeah, that's
1: gunslinger. That is
0: totally. You know, actually, there's I'm going to say that there is a sub sub genre of gunslinger metal, and that is wanking metal because that is what Vinnie Vincent Invasion was. It was like, I'm going to get up here and I'm going to play with this, I'm not going to play this instrument, I'm going to play with it in front of you for a while, and you're going to like
1: it over the top. I mean, Vinnie Vincent playing (laughs) is so preposterous.
0: (laughs) Oh, I'm going to put Boy's Gonna Rock. I'm gonna put a link to that. And you will oh, if you oh, haven't heard this song, you need to listen, you need to watch the video all the way through to the end. It's like glorious. everyone
1: accuses Ingve Malmstein of 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 masturbating with his instrument.
0: No. It's not in the same no. universe as not even, universe. even close. All right, here's my next question. Uh, my next Night Ranger.
1: Oh, such a great question. Oh, this is such an important historic question. Because Brad, because Brad, of course, is a there's there, he's one of the premier gunslingers, Brad Gillis. When, 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 when Ozzy Osbourne brings you in to play on a live album, you are a gunslinger.
0: Yeah. I'm going to, you know what I'm going to, that first album, Dawn Patrol is, yeah. there's a lot going on underneath the surface.
1: I love, I love Night rangers. By the way, they're the first, uh, when I was 11 years old, we were driving, my family and I were driving in Austin, Texas. And we saw, a for the first time in my life, a, like a big tour bus outside of a restaurant. I... Got them to stop the car. It was a place called Katz's Deli in Austin. They stopped the car. I ran inside and I met my first rock stars and that was Night Ranger. Really? They were very nice to me too. Yeah,
0: they were very cool. they were. <laughs> Let's go ahead and go to the next one here. How about Tesla? Oh, I love Tesla. Yeah,
1: I'd give them guns. Yeah. Sl- I mean, if for no other reason, you have to give them tip the hat for just the, the content of... Uh, Modern day cowboy. I mean, that's a gunslinger song. I love USA USSR with their six guns at
0: their side. I mean, it's- well. Look, that's maybe that's a cheap way to get in under the gunslinger by mentioning <laughs> gunslingers. That, that I, I can live with any song
1: that references the Soviet Union.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, and I, I think I saw I saw them live actually in '87. They opened for uh, for Def Leppard in, in here in Tucson, and and yeah. uh, I remember both their guitarists were just. Just amazing and brought something very different. Great player. Um, how about, I can't stand this band, but he's a great guitarist. I can't stand it. Mr. Big.
1: I love Paul Gilbert. I mean, I'm obsessed on so many levels. I mean, um, A, he's from Greensburg, Pennsylvania, which means nothing to anyone ex- ex- except that's where I got married. So I have a, a special connection to that part of a small town outside of Pittsburgh, um, He is friends with a close friend of mine who lives in Portland. And I understand and I've learned that he's as cool as I thought he was. He's just a very smart, humble, great player. And if anyone, it's funny of all the recommendations, I haven't made any recommend. The the biggest recommendation I would make so far is he has a series of video vignettes on YouTube called Scarified, which was the name of one of his songs when he was with Racer X. And it's basically, if he, they're, they're like two minute videos and they're all about him like growing up and getting, you know, how he did his first auditions, how he got into GIT, how he, you know, he, he's he's a really like smart and honest and open person. He, he seems very unlike the music industry to me. He's just kind of a cool, smart, and I, I can understand why you don't like Mr. Big. That's but fair. is he
0: a gunslinger? Was Mr. Big a gunslinger band? Ooh. So you, you, you get away with saying all these nice things about Paul Gilbert, but at the end of the day. I
1: saw them opening in Phoenix for Rush uh, oh, wow. on the Presto, on the Presto Tour.
0: Bad Rush.
1: Um and of course they're you know their 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 uh um, their encore was addicted to that rush, which was very timely. Um God, this is the hardest one of all because Paul Gilbert is it can qualify as metal, and it's extreme technical ability. But Paul is so what, – what I love about him is he has no ego.
0: Yeah.
1: So he's not a peacock. So I no, don't think he not
0: I don't think so. I think Mr. Big is off the list. Uh, he's,
1: the kind of guy, sorry, uh, he's the kind of guy who, if you're trying to cut heads with Paul Gilbert, he wouldn't show off. He'd play yeah. some blues, he'd play, like a, he'd play like a Beatles song and some blues licks just to be a nice guy because he knows he's better than you.
0: He's got nothing to prove. He has nothing to prove. The last one I was going to bring up, we've already hit on, and that's the Vinnie Vincent invasion, which, which took up a very, very, like on the timeline of rock and roll and the timeline of metal is, is barely even a hash mark. Um, but if you want a great example of just ridiculous, over-the-top guitar wanking, all right, let's see. So we've got we, we have some qualifiers here. We have a list of bands that we've said yay and nay. I'm going yep. to put links to yep. a couple of these songs uh because I I think and I I think you'll see it. I think in listening to and maybe some of these videos watching them, you'll see what makes this different. I'm not going to put a link to like a poison song in there. Not that I have something horrible against Poison, right. but I'm just not. Uh, that's what, not what this is about. But I think if you were to go listen to something that's way more in the vein of hair metal, like Poison or Warrant, you will hear the difference. And you will most certainly in the performances, you'll see the difference because there's a huge difference between Ed Van Halen coming to the front of the stage and playing Eruption and C.C. DeVille swirling around in circles playing chords. I've got one that we've missed. Got a gem for us. I can't wait to see your reaction.
1: Reb beach winger
0: oh winger he is such a good guitar player and look at the wagon to which he hitched himself they play metal metal,
1: technically and i know reb is a monster He's so good. I have to, I can't leave this conversation without invoking Red Beach. Okay.
0: I will, I'll, I'll find some, or if you've got a good example for him and that's a tough thing too. I mean, you're right. I mean, there are a lot of these guys who are really amazing, but you know, depending on what band they're in or depending on what they were putting out at a given point in time, that doesn't necessarily mean they were always playing to their potential technically or, or playing to the outer edges of where their ego pushed them.
1: Well, and Reb, Reb was just trying to get in a big band, you know. He's so to that point. By the way, one of my favorite anecdotes uh, to go back to Paul Gilbert, and you're going to love this. I just because I'm sure you hate this song, you know, "Be With You," their big hit. So,
0: you listen to the lyrics; it's songs. it's awful. You're like, let's just line up for sweaty Betty here. That's horrible. <laughs> Well, okay. I just want to now be the next me, to be with you. You know what? Let me, I'm going to interrupt. That's like the horrible, the, the, that cheap trick song, I want you to want me. Listen, I want you to want well, me. You. I need you to need me. I, I'd love you to love me. That's just like weird codependent narcissism. Like, I don't want anything <laughs> for you. I just want you to like bathe me in your your adulation. It's One of the
1: best rock songs of all time. <laughs> um, you'll love this anecdote. And it comes from Paul Gilbert in one of his humble little videos. And he said, I'm paraphrasing, but he said something like, most of you are watching this video because you know me from Racer X and you're a guitar you know, nerd. Uh, and most of my music is like that. But sometimes I just need to buy a house.
0: And that's when I wrote, be with you. <laughs> you know, uh, you know Chuck Mangione is, right? <laughs> of course. Yeah, Chuck Mangione uh, you know, wrote the song, So Fine, that's what it's called. Yep, and that's yep. like the only song that mainstream audiences know from Chuck. So good. So good. Is that what it's called? It's so I think it's so good. Oh, well, whatever. The re. Oh, no,
1: I'm sorry to interrupt no, you, please. but I, I have to play this card. The reason I know it's so good is I was once walking around the block in Brooklyn and I saw a copy of it sitting on the ground and I took a picture of it. It was like in the kind of the ghetto, like there was, there was spray paint behind it. And it was, it looked beat up yeah. and it was sitting on the ground. So I took a picture of it, I posted it, and I wrote, that's tough, Chuck. And then Brett Boyd, our friend Bretton Boyd, immediately responded under me with, so hood. And I think it's so good is the name of the song. Okay. But I, be wrong.
0: I will confirm that, <laughs> but here's an interesting thing. I, I, I uh, and this is to go off what your, your comment from Paul Gilbert. Sure. Chuck Mangione was asked in an interview, this was years ago, like, do you ever get sick and tired of playing that song? And he said, never. He's like, that song bought me houses. It's taken me around the world a bunch of times. It put all my kids through college. I will play that song for anyone who wants to hear it. So that's, uh, that's. um,
1: I I live a few blocks from Michael Bolton. And if you don't think I want to meet him, you're crazy.
0: (laughs) Well you, you what what you need to do if you ever do get a chance to meet him you have to ask him about his first couple albums when he was trying to be David Coverdale and Bo- John Bon Jovi before he started stealing music from black guys and becoming a crooner I don't know have you ever seen those videos I haven't no Oh I'll send you one they hurt It's <laughs> honestly it's like wait you're trying to be David Coverdale before there was a David Coverdale of White Snake This is good I think that we've got uh we've got a lot of good information. I'm going to put a bunch of links yeah. in the notes so that people can go ahead and reference this stuff and listen to it. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time. Dude, my pleasure. Absolutely. You know, I think we we need to get together again and and like we need to talk about like death metal or power metal or something like that. Okay. I don't know.
1: Happy to talk there's, about there's, any and all.
0: There's a, there's a lot beneath the surface that that America needs to know.
1: There is. And and I have to say um it's true at the, at the outset you said 80s was the decade for metal and that's true but i'm happy it 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 warms my heart how well metal
0: continues to do it's thriving i
1: I really think it's thriving so happy to contribute in some way to that to that thriving
0: excellent well i will have this up soon i'll send you a link and uh again thanks so much there you go horns up horns up
1: great to see you brother
0: Thanks for listening. You can leave feedback at my show site, which is thinkaboutthat.podbean.com. You can also subscribe there. I'd appreciate that. And share this out to anyone you think would be interested in listening. Have a great day.